Podcast. Hey everybody, what's going on? How are you? What is happening? Greetings. My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. Welcome to my podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in today, especially in light of the fact that I think there's like 100,000 new podcasts that are getting launched every week on the internet, competing for your precious time. So it means a lot to me that you would spend a couple hours with me, that you would subscribe to my show on iTunes, that you would share it with your friends and on social media. And big love for everybody who has gone the extra mile to support my work through Patreon and by making a habit of always using the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases. Uh, Okay, before we dive into today's episode, a couple things really quick. First, we're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics. And just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. Okay, so today is a special midweek episode of the podcast, and it features a panel discussion between me and Marco Borges. Marco is the CEO of 22 Days Nutrition, which is a plant-based nutrition products and meal delivery service company that he founded a couple of years back in partnership with Jay-Z and Beyonce. And this panel took place at the Seed Food and Wine Festival in Miami. It was a couple months ago. I think it was the first week of November last year. Uh, and if you're new to the podcast, I implore you to check out my first conversation with Marco, which was RRP 195. Uh, since that day, uh, which is the first day that I met Marco, the day I did that podcast with him, we have gone on to become very close friends. I just, I, I cannot say enough good things about this guy. He is legit. He is true blue, the real deal. He has such a huge heart and he's really committed with every fiber of his being to helping educate as many people as possible about the health benefits of plant-based nutrition and providing them with the best possible you know, organic whole plant foods. So again, this is a panel. Uh, it took place at an event before a live audience. So the audio at times is a little bit wonky. It was not my equipment, uh, but it's great. And I really just wanted to share it with you guys. It's a conversation about a lot of things. It's about nutrition. It's about fitness, of course, uh, but it's also about how to effectively balance advocacy with business, which I think is kind of interesting and uh, dynamic. In any event, I think that's all I'm going to say about this. I love this guy, and uh, I hope you enjoy our lively banter. How are you guys? Good? Good, man. Awesome. 
I'm happy to be in Miami. My second year at Seed, uh, it's a fantastic event. Um, yeah, it's really cool to see so many people turn up uh, to talk about wellness and the plant-based movement and these uh, ideas that you know I know Marco, you care a lot about that I care a lot about. And you know I say this quite often. I travel a lot, but I, I really think and I believe that it's events like this um, that really hold the potential to shift and change. Uh, culture and the conversation and the action that we're taking around health, healthcare, the environment, uh, how we treat animals, like all of these issues that I know we're all concerned about. It's really a grassroots movement and it's about each and every one of us in here and it's about empowering all of us to uh, you know, take the information and the inspiration that we get from these events but then to go home and to put them into, into action. So in terms of that as kind of like a, a, a starting point or a launch pad, I'd be interested in hearing from you, Marco, like how you approach um, just this idea of advocacy in general. When you talk about uh, these issues that are so important to you, like how do you choose your words? Like what is your approach? You know, we all know it has different uh, energy around this and a different uh, style and approach. Some people are very in your face and hardcore. Other people uh, are very non-judgmental and try to create this this sort of you know easy welcome mat and there's all variations in between so I think it would be cool to talk about these different approaches what works for you and 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 how you kind of um, propose to people in the audience uh, how they can think about uh, carrying this message forward um, it started with an idea of, of understanding um, that I wanted to create something that didn't exist for me um, and the more I learned, the more I knew I wanted to move towards a plant-based lifestyle. And when I was exploring and, and sort of learning and immersing myself in, in this new life that I wanted to live, I realized that um, far too often you're faced with judgment. You know, how are you going to enter what you're doing, how quickly you're moving, you know, if you're thinking about going vegetarian or going vegan. And for me, it was um, the more I learned, the more I knew I had to do it. So one day I just said, Okay, starting today. And I'm kind of just like that by nature, but not everyone is wired the same way. Um, and I think that the easiest way through the door is to have a welcome mat outside, right? To have a big smile on your face and to just let people in without judgment. Because I think that we live in a society that judges way too much um, and doesn't love enough. And I just say, you know, we should judge less and just love people more for who they are. I've got people that uh, I meet on a daily basis that'll walk up to me and say, I have. I'm trying to be plant-based, and I just look at them and I smile. I say, "That's fantastic." I say, "But I'm only 50 percent." I say, "That's amazing." And they're like, "Really?" Because they expect for you to believe that from one day to the next they have to be perfect and not only eat plant-based, but also give up their car, buy a hybrid, or ride a motorcycle. I mean, a bicycle to work. Um, let go of all their leather goods, and if they own any fur, you know, toss it out the window. And the reality is that that's not life. It's not practical. It doesn't work for everyone. And I think that if we want to make this a really inclusive lifestyle, we have to allow people to walk in ways that make them feel really comfortable about themselves. There's some people that I know that have said to me, hey, my whole family is now 100% plant-based and that's fantastic. And there's other people that say, I no longer feed my kids meat. And that's also awesome. That's also fantastic. And I don't follow up with a, but do you still give them dairy? But do you still give them eggs? Because it's, it's, I think it's unnecessary. It defeats the, the purpose of what the mission is. And I think the mission is to educate people. And I think that the more we allow people to educate themselves by walking through the door, the more that they feel empowered to make lifestyle choices that work for them. Some people want to give up dairy first. Other people want to go, you know, all the, some, some people want to dip their toe in the pool and some people want to use a springboard. And I think we have to allow, you know, take all the, the no running uh, by the pool and no diving signs off and let people do whatever they feel most comfortable with. It, uh, you know, that, the, the truth is that I, my, my whole life has been about yes, and I can, and I will, and, and I do. And I'm not a believer in negative words and I just don't use them in my, in my daily practice. And at my, you know, at our office, um, at the gyms, when I used to have gyms, it was always about 
don't use the word no. Don't use the word I can't. Don't use the word I won't. Let's, let's find a way to turn a negative into a positive. And I think it's just that I'm wired that where people see obstacles, I see opportunities. And I think that the, the more we present that as a solution for people, the easier it is for people to lean towards the life. And I know that you have had your own process um, that's gotten you to where you are today, but it wasn't exactly like mine, but here we are sitting on the same stage together. So how cool is that? Yeah, it's awesome to, to share the stage with you. And uh, that's a really beautiful sentiment. I could not agree uh, more. And as you were kind of so beautifully articulating that perspective, I was thinking about why it is that people sort of feel like they have to set themselves up to this perfectionist standard. And I think a, a, a big part of that or a piece of that is due to the fact that um, they've experienced the negative feedback and ramifications of falling short of perfect. Like, hey, maybe they announced on Facebook, like, hey, I'm going meatless Mondays. And then somebody left a comment saying, well, you're still doing this and this and this six days a week. You know what I mean? And like the raining on the parade kind of thing, because there is a lot of that out there. And the more you kind of engage uh, on social media and on the internet, the more you're going to experience in this lifestyle. I think that's really unfortunate because I really think that you do have to fan those flames and encourage people to take that extra step. And I think implicit in that um, and, and what's kind of between the lines of what you're saying is a level of trust and faith that if you give that person um, that lifeline and that encouragement for that first step, that they're going to be, they're going to take that encouragement and then they're going to, they're going to take the next step. They're going to move forward. They're going to go on their own version of your journey. You know, it's going to look different. It's not going to be the same but you have to trust that you can put them out into the world and allow them that, right? As opposed to being very paternalistic and, and controlling, being like, well, you're not doing this and you're not doing that and you should do that. I mean, who does that? I mean, who responds favorably or positively to that kind of feedback? Like as human beings, like nobody likes to be on the receiving end of that. So like yourself, I always try to be, you know, it's like as human beings, we're gonna judge. Like we're just we're judgment. We're hardwired to judge on some level. Anybody who tells you they're non-judgmental, I don't I, I don't trust that person because I think we just we just do. You see somebody, you make a judgment call. You make you have presumptions and assumptions based on first impressions of people. It's kind of what we do. But the more we can kind of own that and say, how can I move past that? How can I be more compassionate? How can I be more of service? And you know, Marco's somebody who's a beautiful, amazing example of somebody who's in this for the right reasons, like you're in it for the service and it, it, it shines through and through and everything that you do, I aspire to that. And the more I can be in that mindset, that space, that, that place of, of just being available to other people, how can I help you? What would be most of service to you? Um, I've noticed that, that when I do that, my life is better and miracles happen. So uh, I encourage everybody to try that even if it's just for an experiment. I think that um, you, you brought up a really great point is that we, we strive for perfection, right? But I think it's because we're wired that way, right? Imagine your earliest uh, memory of school. You start the school year with an A, and then you work your way down from there, right? You don't start at an F, you start at an A. So they've set this, this sort of standard, right? They set this expectation for you that you have to be a cert at a certain place. And sometimes it's so defeating because the minute that you fall just a hair short of that, you feel like you're behind. And I think that in, in many ways, we've taken that and, and it's become deeply ingrained in us that that's what life is all about. It's about perfection. I think in the US, it's I, I think a lot more prevalent than other places around the world is that we focus so much on perfection, but the minute that we fall short of it, we give up. And that's really sad because we don't encourage well, Silicon Valley is the only place that encourages failure, right? I think it's like you haven't, you haven't, you haven't done anything good unless you failed like a dozen times. Unless, yeah, unless you've failed uh, a dozen times and lost hundreds of millions of dollars, you're really not doing anything. So, but, but the reality is that we've all faced that at one point in time or another, right? Where we feel like our best wasn't good enough and then we're just like, oh, well, the hell with it, right? And that happens to someone that's like, I'm going to go plant-based. And on Friday, they are not. And then it's just like, okay, what, what do I do now? And I think it's just about forgiving yourself and allowing yourself to, to take a little stumble every once in a while and often and just, you know, gracefully get up, dust yourself off and, and, and keep going, right? I'm sure that if you stay down, 
any of the times that you fell down, you probably wouldn't be here today, just like me, right? So, um, you know, I think it's in the same vein of, of what I do. Um, we do something, I think, very similarly. We, we, everything that we do in our lives is really driven by our passion. Um, and it's, I, I tell my friends that it's a really exciting life to live, that you don't, a lot of times we, we leave um, school um, in search of success, and, and we've defined that success with uh, some monetary uh, value. Um, but, but success comes in many shapes and forms and, and, and different uh, uh, feelings. And the minute that you realize that success is not so much a dollar amount, but success is a way of life and how you live and how you feel about yourself and the people around you, you really have achieved success because then it's just work in progress, right? So um, I love the fact that everything that you do uh, within your blog and within your life is all about empowering other people and you've sort of just given yourself to the universe and you've said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm putting my best out there and I want to share knowledge with the world and sometimes you bring people on that you know nothing about and sometimes you bring people on that are nothing like you and sometimes you bring people on that are a lot like you and I was just outside, I was just telling him that my wife thinks that I'm a little nutty because I'll, I, I used to teach um, spinning classes way back when, right? And um, I would have really amazing playlists. I love music. I'm really a big music fan. But for my own workouts, I play really eclectic, funky, all the way left, all the way right stuff. Um, but it doesn't always have to be fast. I could be listening from Enya to Coldplay to Bush. It could be anywhere, right? Um, but now, um, and she would always be like, how do you how do you work out so hard to something so slow? I, I can't do it. And then now she's like, what are you working out to? And it's Rich Roll's podcast. Um, she's like, all right, I, I totally lost you, dude. When you play, put on some music, you call me back in the room. But I love it because it's so inspiring. And, and, it's, and it really, you have so many um, um, interesting guests. And how do you you know, dissect all, I mean, there's a lot of really cool people out there right now doing some really amazing things. So like you must have a wish list of like, you know, that's like 20 pages long. How do you say, okay, you know, for the next three months, this is my, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I want to focus on because whether it's microbiome or whether it's, you know, how do we, what's the next wave? I mean, like how, is it a book that you're interested in? What, how do you go about that? What's your process like? Um, I think you're ascribing way too much like method and forethought. <laughs> in truth, it's like, uh, you know, what? Get? yeah, well, it's not so much who the, the podcast is now at a point. Uh, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. I'm like laughing, trying to think of you working out to listen to the podcast. But anyway, um, you know, at any given moment, like I have feelers out all the time. Like I'm always sending out emails and, you know, to. To, a lot of times to people like, oh, that person will never get back to me. And sometimes they don't. And, you know, surprisingly, sometimes they do. And a lot of it's just scheduling, like, because I do all of them in person. I don't do them on Skype. So it has to be, we have to be in the same city. Not everybody lives in Los Angeles, obviously, or when I'm traveling and things like that. So a lot of times, like, it's just percolating, like, you know, inquiries that I made a year, a year ago, finally, you know, sort of mature to the point where it actually happens. But I try to curate it so that it's never any too much of one thing at a given time, and then it's always kind of mixed up and changing. And, and I don't have any hard and fast rules over who the people are that I have on, but the general premise is that you know, I'm interested in growth, I'm interested in, in expansion, and I want that growth to continue. And you know, we call it like beyond the kale. Like it's great, plant-based, awesome, that's an amazing you know, way to uh, you know, shift your lifestyle and, and like welcome in a new energy into your life, but it doesn't end there, right? There's so much more that we can do, and I should just speak for myself, there's so much more growth that, uh, that I still have to do and that I want to do while I'm on planet Earth. I'm a highly flawed person, there's so much to learn, um, and I think it's important to, to kind of just look beyond the, the horizon of what it means to be sort of plant-based or what your diet or your plate looks like to, to understand that there are, there are, there are ways, there are, it's important to move beyond that, right? Like what is my you know, responsibility to my partner and to my kids and, and to my community and, and, and to the planet? And what are my blind spots? Where do I still need to grow? How can I take an honest inventory of where I'm at and push the boundaries of, of you know, what I'm capable of emotionally, mentally, spiritually, not just physically, right? So the people that I have on, 
are all you know some form of, of perspective on that whether it's you know a uh, you know a, 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 a Buddhist who is you know an expert on tea ceremonies and meditation or it's a doctor who knows all about the gut biome or any yeah or, or Steve case founded AOL you know what I mean like entrepreneur like anybody so I don't I don't have hard and, and the thing is that they just have to interest me. They have to intrigue me. You know, I get a lot of emails from people. They're like, oh, here's the perfect person for your podcast. Usually it's like, if I don't emotionally connect to that person, sometimes I'll do it anyway and it ends up being flat. Like I have to really genuinely be interested in what that person has to say. Otherwise, like it's, it, it doesn't end up working out so well. But what I love is that it's not a great podcast. It's a great podcast that just happens to be plant-based, you know, which is very different, right? Because sometimes you, you give someone something to try, you tell them it's vegan cheese, and you're like, it's not bad for being vegan. You're like, yeah. what is that supposed to mean? So, so I think that in the context of it just, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of right. people doing some really amazing things, and you just happen to be doing it really, really, really well, and it just so happens that. So it's just plant-based. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I think that, you know, I... I Certainly, there's a vegan plant-based theme to my podcast, but it's not entirely that. Like, so I try to space out the plant-based doctors and advocates because I'm, I'm not interested in preaching to the choir. I'm interested in the guy who can't stop eating at McDonald's and doesn't have any idea what it means to be plant-based. And if I'm just a purely vegan plant-based podcast, that guy's never going to tune in. You know, I have to give him Steve Case. I got to give him somebody. I got to give him an entry drug to get him in the door. And then four episodes in, Dr. Neil Barnard comes in and blows his mind. You know what I mean? But, but he would have never, yeah, or, like, or Michael <laughs> Greger or, you know, T. Colin Campbell or you name it. Like, so, but but it's about, it goes back to what we were talking about before, which is creating that welcome mat. Like being an inviting place where people feel welcome to come in. You know? And when somebody uh, you know, falls short of that perfectionist standard and falls down, uh, where's the person who says, "Hey, it's okay. Here's my hand. Let me let me pull you back up." You know, I think I think we all, you know, we can be that person for somebody else. And the chain reaction of that and what that creates in the world is not to be underestimated, right? So, um, you know, on that note, it brings up something I wanted to ask you, which is, uh, everything you do is of a very high quality, like your product, your food products. The supplements, it's all like, you know, it's all at the highest, you know, finest 0.01% of what's available uh, in the world. And I know your attention to that detail is, is ferocious and devoted and dedicated. And, and that's, a, that's a passion and an attention uh, to detail that I share in the work that I'm trying to put out in the world. But on some level, as a business person, um, I'm sure you come up across, uh, you know, opportunities to, um, to compromise or that proposition where you know good is is better than perfect because there's a perfectionist ideal that I'm sure you have in your mind so how do you manage that in your in your business when you're trying to get these products out to the world and understanding that um, that maybe it's not always going to be as perfect as you would like it in your dream that night you know to be or how do you you know what is your perspective on that thank you thank you very much um, I'm hopeless I, I really, I really, I, I mean it. I, I'm, I'm not even trying to joke. I, I really am hopeless because I, I won't settle for anything less than perfection in everything that I do. And it's just, it sometimes as a as a business owner, it's difficult because um, I play in a space where there's a lot of really big brands. I mean, billion dollar brands, as you know, um, and we are, you know, we're we're really. Um, we're, we're in a place where we're constantly fighting for ingredients, right? Trying to source the best, the cleanest ingredients. And when I, when I decided that I would launch this brand, I knew that I could not. I was tired of looking for products and, and always realizing that people were formulating for label copy. You know what I mean? Like it says soy free in the front. And you're like, yeah. And then you look at the back and it's all junky ingredients. They just wanted to be able to say soy free in the front. So I thought someone should formulate for function. And I, and I thought that that would be me. Um, and what I very quickly learned is that although the retailers will tell you that they want you to give them the best, they don't really want you to give them the best. And, and the retailers that you think want the best of you and for you don't always do that. So 
and, and the perfect examples like, you know, someone will say to you, well, can you give me a, you know, product A for $4? And you're like, it cost me $12 to make it. Sure. You know, like I, I, it's, it's impossible, right? So um, one thing that I look at is, and I'll give you a, a more specific example, a protein, right? So a protein is typically grown, pea protein is typically grown in Canada or China. And uh, Canadian peas are sent, to, sent all the way to China. They're milled, processed in China, and then sent back to the U.S., right? But there's, there's peas right here in the U.S., but the peas in the U.S. are way more expensive than the peas grown in China that are also USDA organic, right? So um, I send the Chinese peas and the U.S. peas to a lab as I do everything, and I realize that there's a very big difference between the Chinese peas and the U.S. peas. So I say, there's no way I could use anything but U.S. peas, so I'll use U.S. peas. So my product is four times more expensive than everyone else's, but on shelf, I have to be the same exact price. So when I say I'm hopeless, it's tough because I would probably be way further along if I, w if I, was, if I had the ability to compromise. But because I don't compromise, um, it's a lot more challenging for us. But at the same time, it's a lot more rewarding because we know that we are, we're paving a way. We know that we're, we're challenging the status quo. And when we hear that our biggest competitor or the 800-pound the, the gorilla in our space is looking at doing something because we've done it, makes me very excited when my pea source calls me and says hey uh, so and so just called me and said that they want your peas it makes me really happy i don't get upset I, i'm not upset when someone tries to imitate what it is that we do i'm actually flattered by it because the reality is that i got into this business to change the business i came into the space to change general mills and campbell's and kellogg's of the world because i don't believe that they want to hurt us i just believe that we've been fighting this this war on price for so many years that at some point something's got to give and what we've done is that we forced them to give us what we want, right? We want food that tastes really good, that's really cheap. They've given it to us, mission accomplished. Now we have to change that. Um, we're waiting for US government to pass a law which doesn't seem to be working, right? To tell us when ingredients are genetically modified and we all know now that the Dark Act has passed and we will probably never know when ingredients are genetically modified. So what do we as consumers have to do? So the, the greatest power you have is that you vote with your pocketbook every single day, multiple times a day. And I say that the conscious consumer is the best advocate that anyone can have because if you go out and you buy only non-GMO certified products or USDA organic products that are non-GMO, guess what's gonna happen? The price of non-GMO is gonna go down and we're gonna do away with all GMOs. But if we continue to say, okay, it's what's available, it's what I'm gonna buy, yeah, sure, it's inconvenient. It sometimes is inconvenient, it's not easy. But the truth is that convenient isn't always what's best for us. And the more we practice um, holding true to the values that mean the most to us, the more convenient it will get eventually, right? So I, I think that there's a lot um, of value in what we do, not, not just us as a brand, but as consumers as well. And, and I, I practice it at home. I won't buy products that are not organic. And if I can buy local, I buy local. Um, and I, I don't talk about it, I do it, right? So it's not about you know, telling me, you know, don't tell me when, you, when you're on my block, tell me when you're in front of my house type of, like you've just gotta make it happen. I mean, I think that when you practice this, people get to see what it is that you do and it inspires other people to want to follow suit because they realize how powerful they are. And this movement has not, we, this, this movement didn't just appear, didn't just manifest itself. It's a collective consciousness, right? There's a lot of people thinking about the things that we're thinking about. There's a lot of people that, that these values resonate with them and that this means a lot to them. And it's the more that we talk about it and the more that we bring these things up and the more seed, food, and wine festivals there are, the more opportunities there are for people to live a healthier lifestyle. We all know, I mean, like, I don't think there's anyone in this room, if you're here, you already know that the more you lean towards a plant-based diet, the healthier you're gonna be. We all know that we could prevent, stop, and even reverse heart disease through a plant-based diet. We know that by the year 2030, probably 50% of the US is gonna be diabetic, and we know that we could reverse that, we could stop it, um, by adopting a plant-based diet. We know that we could reduce our carbon footprint. We know that we could promote 
um, cruelty-free living, I mean, and, and, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. So since we know all these things, and one of my favorite quotes is, when you know better, you have to do better, right? So if you know better, you do better. And I think it's just continuing to spread the awareness in a way that's inviting and, and, and uh, warm and welcoming and letting people you know, follow. So it's not easy, but it's a path we chose. On that note, we're all more powerful than we allow ourselves to believe. Like it's very easy in our culture to feel disenfranchised. Like our what we say doesn't matter, our vote doesn't count, et cetera. But it truly does matter where you uh, choose to spend those dollars. That is that is the most impactful, powerful statement, and it is a political statement that you can make, you know, multiple times a day. So it's easy to point fingers and say, well, the FDA or the U.S. these regulatory bodies, they have to change and we got to get rid of the, subsidy, you know, the subsidies and the government and why, aren't the, why isn't the legislation doing this and the dark act, blah, 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 right? But, but we actually don't have that much control over that. But the way we can get that like sort of Archimedes lever to really compel that kind of change is through that grassroots level uh, daily action of putting your money where your mouth is and following through on actions that are consistent with your values. So that means, you know, purchasing habits and patterns like you were talking about. But I can't help but think when you're speaking about that, that um, that conjures up this idea, this stereotype that living this lifestyle, the plant-based lifestyle is, is really kind of just for the, the privileged and well-heeled, you know, of the world. Like how can we make this affordable and accessible to the average human being and perhaps even the people that are living in the urban food deserts across the country who are the people um, you know, suffering not just socioeconomically, but suffering the most from these chronic lifestyle ailments that are unnecessarily killing uh, way too many of us. So do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, I think that that's like uh, propaganda because the truth is that we know when we go to the supermarket, whether you go to Whole Foods or you go to Publix or you go to Trader Joe's, what costs the most is always the meat, it's not the grains, it's not the beans, it's not the legumes, it's not the nuts and the seeds. I mean, if you choose to buy everything organic, sure, it's going to be a little more expensive, but that's, you know, that's up to you. That's a personal choice. But your health is, I mean, it's something that you shouldn't take lightly. And if you have the power and you have the information in front of you and you have all the science, I mean, there's an overwhelming body of science that, that it points to the solution to almost everything is in a plant-based diet. I mean, literally. So when I hear someone say to me that it costs more money, um, I just, I, I can't help but to stop and say, wait, you don't really believe that, do you? I mean, we have, um, Ali, um, I forget um, her name, but we had someone that tried our 22-day program and was on food stamps, was on the SNAP program when she started. Um, and she wrote us and she says, you guys don't know who I am, but I, I followed your program I was on food stamps when I started the program, and um, I was hesitant in the beginning because I'd heard all my friends say that this was something for the wealthy and this was something for the one percenters and whatnot. And I can tell you that not only did it change my life, I am now plant-based, my family's now plant-based, and I lost a ton of weight and I feel wonderful. It was really beautiful, I mean like really beautiful testimonial. She said, but in addition, I wound up saving money. I was spending less money that I than I typically spent at the supermarket because I was no longer buying expensive meats that were full of, and then she just went off. And it was, and it's funny because when you allow people to walk in on their own, they immediately become the hardest core advocates. And if you beat someone over the head, they, you turn them off to the point where they're, you know, right? Have you, you've experienced that, right? If you tell someone one time too many, they're like, you know, it's like vegans preach, right? It's, I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, yeah, when you meet someone that's vegan, um, five minutes into the conversation, they'll tell you they're vegan and then they'll ask you why you're not. And, and that's that sort of like um, the preconceived notion that, that people have, you know, what used to be a vegan 20, 30 years ago, people like you were a tree hugger living in Colorado that didn't wear deodorant, right? And wearing Birkenstocks. And now it's like everyone and anyone can be, you would never know who it is. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that the more we share the information, the more that we 
then we create this movement and the more that we empower people, the more people are going to vote with their pocketbooks, the more people are going to aspire to this lifestyle and look for ways to make it more affordable for themselves and their family. I mean, there's nothing easier than buying local uh, produce and there's not, you know, there's CSAs all over the country. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy once you put it in your mind that you want to do it. It's something that's pretty easy to execute on. Gene Bauer uh, always calls it uh, an aspiration, right? Because it play, that idea of perfectionism, none of us can ever really uh, truly achieve that. So it's about aspiring to uh, create a way of living, a way of life in which your actions are, is, are in alignment as much as possible with your core values, right? And what I've discovered, and I don't know about you, but like uh, when I started eating plant-based and when I started to live my life more in alignment with my core values, a lot of other things happened, <laughs> you know, like my life expanded, the horizons of my life expanded and new opportunities and, and new ideas started to swirl around and the possibilities of what I could do with that energy and that, and that kind of um, new focus and perspective really opened up my life in beautiful ways. And that's something that Julie was talking about in her, in her talk earlier. Um, so from your perspective, when did the idea of trying to take this lifestyle and create, I mean, I know you, you have a history in, in the fitness industry and all of that, but when did the idea occur to you to try to create this brand out of this lifestyle that's so meaningful to you? Um, I'll digress a little bit, um, but you're a living testament of that, right? So you have manifested what you're putting out there. I mean, like if, if you're not the perfect example of putting out the best energy in the world, just opening itself up to you, I don't know what is. Um, I had decided that I wanted to go plant-based and I was always, I have my entire life, I've been a research junkie. I, I grew up wanting to be a doctor. If you asked me at six what I wanted to be, I would have said a doctor. And ever since I was a kid, I remember just always saying that I was going to become a doctor. And then I started pre-med. And um, I remember I was at, I was doing a lot of, I wanted to be in hospitals all the time, just, you know, watching. And I remember I was um, sitting in on a surgery. This guy was getting a third of his liver removed. He had gotten a bunch of his intestine taken out. And this guy was basically going to use a bag as a bathroom for the rest of his life. And I, and I looked over and I was like, so Everett, um, what kind of psychological counseling does this guy get now? Like, how does this happen? Does he stay here for a couple of weeks? Does he go to a rehab? Like, what happens? And he looked at me, he's like, oh, son, you have so much to learn. He's like, you know, this, and he just basically broke down, like, the surgery has to take this many hours. If it takes more, you know, it is what it is. This is, you know, it's like changing a muffler. You have to use this drug. If I like that drug better because I've had better, you know, results with it, so what? The insurance company pays for this one. It just kind of walked me through the process, and I just thought it was kind of crazy, right? And then I went... Um, I went back home that day and I, and I vividly remember saying to myself, you know, I, I, I can't be a part of this. This is just, this is crazy. This is bananas. So imagine the first kid in my family that goes to college and the first kid that's going to become a doctor. And then I come home and I told my mom, you know, I decided that I no longer want to become a doctor. I actually want to become a trainer. And she was like, what? She's like, are you crazy? <laughs> but, but I knew that I would be a lot more impactful if I prevented disease than if I treated it, because if I was going to treat disease, I, it would not be totally under my control. So I thought, you know, people do, people will do anything to get better, but they won't do everything they can to stay better. And I just thought that that was really crazy. So I thought, maybe it's just me, but if I can help people live a healthier, smarter life through fitness, it might be something worth doing. So I, I decided that I would pick up a degree in exercise phys, along with biology, and then I um, started working and I, and I built a business and I knew based on all the research that I'd done that this was like all the arrows are pointing in the same direction and I just thought okay like I know I have to go plant-based if I want to live a long life and I don't want to see what happens to all the people around me everyone has diabetes they all take 15 pills everybody has hypertension it runs in our family you know disease is hereditary disease is not hereditary habits are hereditary right it's what you see on a daily basis that you do every single day. They're like, well, how come his father had heart disease? Well, because they ate the same food every single day. <laughs> like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But, you know, so, so we, we're almost like, you know, we put ourselves in a position where we want to feel like we're hopeless, but the reality is that we have all the control. We have all the power. So once I knew that fitness was a really strong component, I realized, well, a lot of people are still missing the other part because what I noticed when I had my gyms is that 
people develop really great habits around working out. And it's something that's really social. And we, we do it often and with people that we love. So it becomes almost like, oh, let's catch up, Julie. We'll go to yoga. And then, you know, tomorrow I'll go running with you. And the next day I'll do whatever, Barry's boot camp with you. And it works. And people develop a habit of that. But they never really fully get the habit around eating healthy because they eat unhealthy by themselves most of the time, right? So you know if you don't eat right, it's just nothing will ever come together. So after watching people come to the gym on a daily basis and their bodies weren't changing, I thought to myself, well, you know, I remember we did, we, we like put out this program, unlimited spinning and a hundred people signed up for it. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. They're going to come spin all the time. Their bodies are going to transform. This is going to be so awesome. And everyone's going to, we're the first spinning studio in South Florida, right? So I was like, this is awesome. People are going to look at us and be like, these guys are so cutting edge and everyone's losing all this weight. This is phenomenal. So this group of Cuban ladies were coming every morning. They come with their cafecito and they drink their coffee. And then they'd be like, okay. And they get on the bike, yeah, ah, ah, for an hour. And then they leave and come back two hours later. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then they're, 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 they're doing a second class. And then they'd come to, I had a class called downtown where it was all downtown, like butt, legs, all that. Um, and, and that they'd come to that, and I was like, oh, babe, forget it. Just, my, my wife was my girlfriend back then. I was like, forget it. These girls were going to transform their lives. This is going to be awesome. A month goes by. Two months of unlimited spinning goes by. Three months of unlimited spinning goes by. Nothing happens. And I was like, ah, something's wrong here. And they look at you, and they're like, I'm not eating anything. Yo no como. I don't eat. I don't eat. I, you know, I don't eat anything. I was like... Something's off here. So, so I, I, I was like, um, we've got to change something. And I already was moving in the direction of like, you know, helping people a little bit more than just with the training. I was doing a lot of rehab work for athletes and I started doing more and more. And then it was more like, let me help you with your diet. And then I started helping them with their diet. And then it really started to click. And I was like, man, the diet's the most important component. And then I was like, this is it. This is like, you know, diet one exercise has to be always a, a very distant second place. Um, and then it started to really help people change the way they were thinking and they were looking at food. And again, and at that point in time, I was really moving in the direction of a really healthy diet. I'd removed all unprocessed foods. I remember I was like the first person I knew that went gluten-free like 20 something years ago. And people were like, why? What is, what is that? It's like come some crazy stuff, but you're skinny. Why, why do you, what are you doing gluten-free? I just thought, well, you know, the truth is that, you know, I've, I've read a bunch of stuff about it and I, I, the truth is I don't need it. A and B, it's an all junk food. So it's going to be an easy fix. I'll just eliminate all gluten. I won't ever eat junk food again. So it's fantastic. Um, and then I just kept progressively, you know, wanting to move closer to a plant-based lifestyle. And one day I woke up, you know, 12, 11, 12 years ago. And I just said, um, going to go completely plant-based. My wife was like, oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? Me too? <laughs> I go, well, I mean, if you want to, it'd be kind of cool. Um, so, and we did. Uh, you know, she, she's the greatest supporter in the world and she's the, you know, my best friend in the world, but, but sadly, no, she didn't jump in right away. She was sort of like watching from the outside, but she was like, okay, I'll, I'll eat with you. Um, and was very supportive um, and would make me special food if I wanted it and whatnot, but, but very slowly, um, but sort of over the, you know, I guess the six to 12 months of followed, she was like, okay, I'm going to be plant-based 90% of the time. And I was like, that's fantastic. So she did, and then she eliminated all meat, and then she eliminated all chicken and all, and then eventually she was just doing fish every once in a while and was like, this is what works for me. And then eventually she was just like, one day woke up and was like, I completely gone plant-based. I was like, cool. And I didn't make much of it like I typically don't do. Um, and then my family started to follow and it was more of like me listening to what everyone else was telling me. Yeah, but it's so hard, man. I can't find any snacks and I can't do this and I, and there isn't that. And, and it was, it was, it wasn't easy, right? I mean, we now have a lot of options in a lot of different places, but back then it was not the easiest thing to do. And then my, I was convincing my mother to go plant-based and my brother to go plant-based. And I was trying to get my wife's family to go plant-based, my sister to go plant-based. And eventually everyone came around, but they came around at their own pace, but still were kind of like, you know, we can't find stuff. And then I remember that I was, I was doing a lot of touring and I was going on a music tour that was taking me to Africa. 
And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go to Whole Foods and stock up on a bunch of like bars and whatnot because I don't know what to, we were going like really random places and we were building water wells for communities. So I knew that I was going to be in places where food was not going to be easily accessible, good food. So I thought, all right, I'll just buy a bunch of bars and I'll bring them with me. And I went to the market and I did that, that sort of exploratory process. I picked up a bar and I was like, oh, vegan. I turned it around and it was like monodiglycerides. I'm like, what the, f like, what, like, who, why? Uh, and then I was just like, I, I think I'm just going to make some bars and bring stuff with me. So I started tinkering around with stuff. And then I was like, you know, I've never been much of a reactive person. I've always been super proactive about the way I live my life, how I encourage other people to live their lives. I could do this as a side project. And I just sold my business. So I was like, I'll just start this and it'll be like a cool little side gig. And then I'll create a platform online and I'll empower people with information to live a healthier lifestyle. And I'll give tips on recipes. And I just had this idea and I'll give exercise tips and I could do like both, oh, this is gonna be fun. And I was literally, tra I was traveling seven days a week. But I was like, I'm in hotel rooms all the time. I'll just, you know, write, I'll create a blog. And we, you know, just kind of formalized it and thought it was gonna be just a little passion project. And then the passion project just kind of took off because I didn't build it for me, I built it for the world. And I think that's the best way to build anything is to just build it for other people, not for yourself. And when you do that, then the world just embraces it. And it was, um, I remember that um, there was a little magazine back then, which is now a monster, um, Veg News. Um, they voted us best tasting bar like our first month out. And I was like, that is so cool. It was like I'd won a Nobel Peace Prize or something. <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. I was like, mom, look. And she's like, you know, what, what is that? I was like, it's a you know, vegan magazine. She's like, oh, that's nice. That's cool. <laughs> it's really cool. But it's really beautiful because the, the, the vegan, the plant-based community embraced us right away. And then it started to kind of just slowly make its way mainstream. And the reality is that I did not design it as a vegan company. I designed it as just a plant-based company that would be for the world. I just want to make great food that heals people and that nourishes people from the inside out. And it just so happens that all, all of our products are plant-based. So our commitment was always to making it plant-based and always USD organic and never diluting, never you know, taking you know, Target calls you or Walmart calls you. We love your brand, but we want you to make us a bar that's 34 cents. And you're like, there's no way I could ever do that because it's just not. Well, when you make us a 34 cent bar, you could, have, you, know, you could have four feet on our shelves. And it's tempting, but at the end of the day, we knew that we had started to, to do something greater and, and that we want to continue on this path because we're having a great time and, and the space is just now starting to... To, to really get fun, so it's, um, it's a fun time to be where we are. Let me turn that back just for a second. Um, you, um, and I know that you went through this really transformative process, and you had an insane amount of success with your book, and it's almost like you know that overnight success story, right? That was much more than overnight, but all of a sudden you're everywhere. Rich rolls this guy, you're a rock star, you're, on, you're in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and every, I mean, you couldn't click a channel without seeing something about your book, about what you were doing, what you had overcome, because I think it resonated with so many people and, the, and, and your struggles, whether it was professionally or emotionally or socially. Um, and then you write a book and it's a monster. And then you're just sitting around saying, what else am I going to do with my time? And you just decide that you're going to do a pot. How does that, how does, how does Rich Roll, the attorney, become like the hottest podcast in the space. Thank you. Will you travel around with me and introduce me at other speaking gigs? First of all, how much time do we have? Do we, we, minus five? We're, we're in overtime? Five minutes? Five minutes to answer that question. Um, thank you. Yeah, uh, the 10 year overnight success story, really. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's funny because the way that you just sort of articulated that makes it sound like everything happened really quickly and really easily and without uh, any effort or toil or pain or tears. But the truth is, like, it was a, it was a, it was, it was a rough decade. Like, even, even after, you know, Julie's <laughs> the one who should be answering this question, but, but um, even after Finding Ultra came out, and I was like nobody at the time, a first-time author, nobody really knew me at all, um, you know, we went through a lot of a lot of financial hardship. We thought we were going to lose our house, and and ultimately we got a gig like on Kauai, and we moved our family to this organic farm on the north shore of Kauai uh, after Finding Ultra had come out, and like we didn't know what was going to be next, and we didn't, and I and I had made the decision to 
sever ties with being a lawyer. I was a corporate lawyer before that. Sever ties with being a lawyer when my book came out. And the truth is, like, leading up to that, I've been kind of weaning myself off of being a lawyer, but I formally said I'm done with that. So now it's like stepping into this idea, this world of, like, being a, a like, I don't even know what you would call it. Like, people call it a wellness entrepreneur. I think that's kind of a weird title. But, like, the idea of trying You're to... You're definitely an entrepreneur. Trying to, trying to find a way to support my family while while sort of uh, being an ambassador of this movement and this lifestyle and, and figuring out a way to make that um, sustainable for my family and, and not knowing what the answer to that was, but having faith that if I stepped into it and owned it completely, that the universe would show up and provide the path. And, and that's a very kind of trite, simple thing to say, like, oh, ah, the rainbow comes out and here's how you do it. That's not what happened at all. There was a lot of missteps and a lot of mistakes and, and, um, and, and, and some painful times, some really hard times. But, you know, we were in Hawaii and, and uh, we had this great project that we were getting paid to work on and, and we were thinking maybe we'll just move to <laughs> Kauai. Like I, we, anything was possible at that time. Uh, the rug was getting pulled out from underneath us in a big way though. And we were really forced to like meet our maker and, and have that conversation about like what is truly important? Like what do you stand for? This is your life and it is happening now. And, 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 and what are you gonna do with that? Like you wrote this book, people enjoyed it. They responded to it. How are you gonna take that and make something more impactful from that? Uh, and you know, podcasts were just something that I had spent a lot of time listening to when I was doing a lot of training for these crazy races. And I'd often thought, well, maybe I can, you know, contribute something to this medium. And this was 2000, uh, this was 2012. Yeah, so it's not like, I mean, podcasts had been around for a while. It's not like I was brand new to it. I think they started hitting the internet around 2008 or seven or something like that. Um, so it wasn't like I was an early adopter, but it was definitely before podcasting was like a thing. Like it wasn't cool to start a podcast when I started a podcast. And I noticed in the health space, no one was doing anything, no one was doing what I wanted to do, which is to really sit down and have long form, in-depth conversations and get to the bottom of, of you know, how we can live more healthy in a, in, a, in a broad spectrum of ways. Like there was very specific fitness podcasts and there were political podcasts, but I saw an open space and I felt like I could contribute and I just started. Like I didn't have any aspirations that it would grow into becoming this big thing. Uh, I just began and I didn't know what I was doing at all and it just kind of evolved and grew from there. So it's been a blessing and a, and a, and a beautiful thing to be able to have a voice and a platform on a medium now that has blown up and grown because of all these amazing shows that are now coming out like Serial was a big deal when that, and that introduced a, a mainstream audience to podcasting and, and, uh, and this idea that, that um, you don't have to be reactive in terms of the media that you absorb in your life. Like, because of direct TV and video on demand, you know, very few people sit down and just turn the TV on to see what's on, you know, unless it's a, unless it's a live event. Like, you, just, you, make more, you make conscious decisions about how you allocate that time and what you choose to allow in, but people still go into the car and turn the radio on and just listen to whatever somebody else decided to share with you. And the great thing about podcasting is, is you can basically program and control what you want to allow into your ears throughout your day, whether it's when you're commuting or working out. And I just fell in love with that medium as a, as a way of personal growth. And, and now it's exploded. There's like 600,000 active podcasts. So the fact that like my podcast has a, has a, has a place like in that, you know, top echelon means a lot to me. And I, I, I take it seriously, you know, and I try to leverage that platform to the best of my ability to provide um, the most conscious and the most helpful uh, uh, message that, that I can. So before we go, because this is, I think this is so amazing. Um, so you're, you're, you have this book that's like an, a monster bestseller. You guys have all, I'm sure you've all read it. Like, who has the book? Here? All right, so it's, 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 an, it's, an, it's an amazing book. And, you know, people think that you're making $100 million because you have this book in the New York Times list that just refuses to leave. And it's the exact opposite at home. And the fact that you're smiling through it and that you could still think productively tells me that your heart is so in the right place because if that's not a testament of who you are and the things that are valuable to you, then I don't know what is. So man, congratulations. It's so absolutely amazing. Um, it really is. Um, and 
So my question is, so you're already killing it in the podcast. What's next? A cheese line? Cheese line? Cheese. The cheese book is also going to kill it. The, the, the cheese book is, is, is yes, it's going to be, this cheese is nuts. This cheese is nuts. I think that might be it. I might hold you to it. Um, but so what's, what's next? Like, is it a line? Is it, is it a TV show? That, where does this go? Because I'm sure that you're being pulled in everywhere I go, I see you. So you're speaking at just about every event. I'm sure you're being asked to go just about everywhere. Um, how do you go from where you are today to where, what, what's the ultimate game plan? What's the goal? I just want to be able to continue doing what I do, and whether uh, you know it's video or television or podcasting or public speaking, they're all just different distribution methods of putting out you know the message that I'm already putting out. So I'm devoted to trying to uh, expand the uh, the depth of the content that I put out in the world, and also the scope, expanding the audience. So whether that means you know a TV show, I'm definitely going to write another book this year. Julie's got two books coming out, This Cheese is Nuts, and also Plant Power Italia. So she's killing it right now and has her own podcast, Divine Through Line, that everybody should listen to. Um, and the Italy tours, that's just like... But yeah, and we're doing these retreats those? in... We have, we're doing uh, retreats in Italy and Australia in February and uh, in Ireland next July and then Italy in May. Yeah, so we're, so, we're, so we're developing that aspect of the business. But I will say, you know... I'm open to anything, but I'm not doing the podcast so that one day I get a TV show. You know, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm doing is just trying to continue to do what I do, and 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 you know, if opportunities present themselves, that's great. I'm not chasing anybody else. Like the I don't need all those gatekeepers. Like I have a direct line to this audience as a result of the podcast, and to the extent that I can um, serve them better, uh, that's my focus. And if other stuff grows out of that, that's great. But I'm not sitting around waiting for any of that. And, and, and we're like way over time right now, but there's no way we're ending this without uh, Marco telling us a little bit about his new book, which is killing it right now as well. So share with us a little bit about that. We are, thank you. Thank you very much. First, thanks again for taking the time to sit with me. I think the most important thing is uh, that we all help each other. And like you said, when you, when you fall, that someone's there to, to help you get up and, and that we support each other as a community, I think is really powerful and really awesome. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you guys for coming over. I appreciate it. Um, the book, I mean, it, I don't know. We have our, our third book out now. It's called The 22-Day Revolution Cookbook. Um, it's, uh, it's a cookbook. It's a really easy cookbook. We're non-chefs. Um, my wife and I um, designed this book, and, and um, I stole a bunch of recipes from her. Every time I'd make something, her version tasted better. So it was just like, all right, I give up. Um, so we've got a lot of really cool recipes, and it's sort of a continuation on the 22-day revolution. So just helping people arm them with more tools and more recipes to, to move towards a healthier lifestyle. And before we leave, we want to thank you all for coming. Thank you so much. Um, stick around. I don't know if you're all going to the burger battle or not, but um, stick around. And if you see us this weekend, say hello and um, introduce yourselves. Thank you for coming. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed that. As always, please make a point of checking out the show notes on the episode page at richroll.com. If you're so inclined, I'd love it if you shared the show with your friends and on social media. If you haven't done so already, please leave a review on iTunes. Helps us out a lot. And while you're at it, click that subscribe button. Next time you're going to shop on Amazon, it would be great if you click through the banner ad on my website or typed in richroll.com forward slash Amazon first. Takes you to Amazon. Buy whatever you're going to buy. Doesn't cost you a cent extra, but Amazon kicks us some commission change, and that really does support the work that I do. And on that note, uh, if you're inclined to go a step further, I have a Patreon account. Uh, really, really appreciate everybody who has contributed to that. It means so much to me. If you would like to receive a free short weekly email from me, it's called Roll Call. It goes out every Thursday. You can do that. It's free. Uh, it's usually just five or six items that I've come across over the course of the week, a documentary I watched, an article I read, a book I'm reading, 
uh, a product that I'm enjoying, you know, basically just simple stuff like that. Uh, often it's stuff I don't put on my social media. So if that sounds like something that would interest you, you can subscribe on my website. I'm never going to spam you. This is not about affiliate links. I'm not making any money off this. I don't put any affiliate links in it whatsoever. In fact, I don't even think that's lawful. I'm not sure how that works, but that's not what this is about. This is just about kind of extending the conversation and the community beyond the podcast. Also, uh, I just found out that somebody put up a uh, subreddit for the podcast on reddit.com. Uh, for the link to that, go to the show notes. I'm going to I'm gonna hook that up there. But basically, it's a way of uh, creating comment threads around things that I discuss on social media, topics that come up around the podcast. And I think it could be a really cool way to kind of uh, focus and convene this community in one singular place to kind of create that ongoing conversation. So check that out again by going to the show notes and I'll have a hyperlink up there. Uh, for all your plant power merch and swag needs, go to richroll.com. I got signed copies of our books, Finding Ultra and the Plant Power Way. We got t-shirts. You know the drill. I want to thank everybody who helped put on the show today. Jason Camiello for audio engineering and production. Sean Patterson for help on graphics, Chris Swan for production assistance and helping with compiling the show notes, and theme music by Analemma. Thanks for the love, you guys. See you next week. Peace. Plants. Yeah.